0: Hey, y'all, you're listening to episode 174 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. Get ready for lots of truth and lots of laughs. I'm chatting with Lisa Harper today. Here she is talking a little bit about God's love for us.
1: And you say, Jesus, give me the grace to lean in, to stay present in your embrace. Mm -hmm. With this warmth around me, you give me the grace. You teach me the really the, the sacrament of staying in your embrace, in your affection, because he loves us with an everlasting love. It's just most of us wriggle out of his embrace as fast as we can, and then we try to do a dance to prove to him, CC, I'm a good kid, CC, I'm a good kid. Right. If we would learn to linger longer in the affection of God, I'm telling you, we'd recognize the, the lies of the enemy much faster.
0: Y'all have done a lot of interviews, and I have so many favorites, but this one might jump to the top. Lisa is hilarious, first of all, and she's also just a great storyteller and truth bringer. She knows God's word. She knows the Greek and the Hebrew, which I really love digging into that. More than anything, she's great about being vulnerable. She shares on the show her her backstory uh, that includes sexual abuse and how she recovered from that. She talks through how she's ministered to other women. She even shares her seven-year journey to adopting her beautiful daughter, Missy, from Haiti and gives us you know a couple of fabulous parenting tips in that. And about 30 minutes in, we finally get to Lisa's book called The Sacrament of Happy. And y'all, I had to be honest with her since we were on the vulnerability train that I struggled with that word. When I saw the book title, I was like, oh, seriously? Because this last year... It has been an effort to even think about happy. And she convinced me. Otherwise, such, such wisdom that came straight from scripture. You're going to be inspired as well. Uh, But before we get to that, I'd love to give shout out to this month's sponsor, Yip Yap. Do you ever hand your phone to your little one and you cringe while you're doing it? Maybe you hand it over so they can talk to your grandma or to their dad if he's at work or out of town. But maybe you're out to lunch with a girlfriend and you're desperate for a little more mom talk. So you hand it over to keep the little one occupied. There's no guilt, no judgment because I know I've done it. And so many of us moms have. We're reluctantly yet repeatedly handing over our phones to our kids, these fragile and expensive devices. Well, I have good news. A mom of four came up with a solution. It's called Pipsqueak by Yip Yap. Pics- Squeak is a durable Wi-Fi phone designed for kids as young as three and it is completely controlled by your parents using the Yip Yap app. Okay, now don't freak out because I just said kid's phone. It is totally different from any other phone I've ever seen. It's designed so parents have full control. I can turn on or off features, any of the features from an app on my phone and I can allow my kids to call their grandparents anytime, watch their favorite YouTube video without worrying about other videos popping up that are suggested videos, I'm in total control of it. You can check out Pipsqueak and you can learn more at yipyap.com. And don't forget to use the promo code GCM and you'll get 20% off of your order. All right, let's get to my conversation with Lisa. Here we go. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. What a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Oh, Heather, I'm so excited. I'm so happy that this is, <laughs> this is a podcast because I, I, Do not want anyone to see the elastic waist mess I'm wearing (laughs) at this point.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) We have already laughed. I can't wait to laugh more. I can't wait for the gal listening to get to know you better if she doesn't already know. I mean, you have been doing ministry for 30 years. Is that what
1: I, is that That, right? That may be the most gracious (laughs) way I've ever been called old in my (laughs) life. That was like wildly gracious. Okay, you were so wise and have been doing ministry. I have been doing vocational ministry for a long time. I'm 53. Young.
0: Uh, young. Uh, young.
1: So I much actually life. Just, well, I just gave up my motorcycle. My my, I still have my leather pants because there's something about <laughs> grown up Baptist that you just need <laughs> leather pants hanging in your closet. But, That's great. But yeah, I started in youth ministry in my 20s and then just kind of. Never planned on being in vocational ministry for a long time. I just love telling stories about Jesus. You know, I warned you that I'm a windbag, and I love I love to talk. And And I remember being, when I was 18 years old, being at a Christian camp with a 1,000 girls in North Carolina, and this woman got up. I could tell you exactly what she taught on. I can tell you everything about her. She had written a book called Out of the Salt Shaker Into the World, she taught on Mark 5, the woman with the issue of blood. And I remember sitting there as a 17 year old kid going, oh, I didn't know chicks could do that. Mm, I got
0: goosebumps.
1: Could, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just didn't know. You mm. know, I thought that to be uh, a woman and to be in any kind of faith leadership meant that you either played the piano <laughs> or, you know, cross stitched really well. And, I was like, you know, I've never been really long on the domestic skills <laughs> of things, um, but man, I love to talk. Mm. And and so I didn't go to college thinking I'd be in vocational ministry. I just loved having Bible studies with my high school kids. And then when I graduated from college with, you know, the younger kids a little younger than me, and it just, by the grace of God, kind of grew into what I get to do, so I love what I get to do, and I think I've, God's allowed me to do it for a long time because I'm a slow learner. So He just
0: <laughs> keeps well, giving
1: me second, and third, and fourth chances.
0: What I love about your story, and this is when gals, young gals, come up to me and say, "I want to do ministry." And I mm-hmm. say that is so mm-hmm. fantastic. I'm so yep. glad that God is just pushing you, pulling you forward. He's there. Yep. He's ready. Yep. And they said, "I want to. I want to be on a stage. I want right. to teach." And I said, "That's so awesome." Right. I said. They said, how do I get started? I said, you just teach a Bible study in your house, invite a couple ladies over and start teaching and he will expand your boundaries in accordance with, with what he, he graciously (laughs) allows you to do. And so I love that you started, you know, with the high school students and you just built and he expanded that to the platform. And because (laughs) when you get up there, it's a lot farther to fall. And that's oh, so much absolutely.
1: fun. Well, and quite frankly, and you know this, Heather, like one of the smartest things I did, not even thinking, you know, wasn't being strategic about it. I was just always drawn to people who were a little messier than mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't want the perfect. Baptist Sunday school kid who (laughs) flannographed everything. You know, I wanted the kids who were like just, you know, one rung away from prodigal. And so I went to the headmaster of a Christian school near where I lived and I said, I want your three wildest girls Mm. who, you know, who either love Jesus or want to love Jesus, but kind of have a hard time coloring in between the lines. I want the three wildest girls, and I'll just come here every week. And and spend time with them and hang out with them. And he was like, you want to start a Bible study with my three <laughs> wild students? So I was like, yes, sir. Do you know, Heather, that two of those three, and they're all walking with Jesus, just one isn't in town, but are still friends of mine. Mm. And we met when I was 25 and they were 15. And it was, it, it. I mean, it ended up being the thing where even when I, for a while, was not in vocational ministry, I was in pharmaceutical sales. They'd be at my apartment every week with me making pancakes mm-hmm. and trying to encourage them, you know, not to sleep with their boyfriends. Yeah. And that to me is ministry. Ministry is life. You know, yep. Fred, Friedrich Buechner says life itself is grace. And I think all too often our culture is so celebrity driven. It's based on how many followers you have or yeah. you know, how big crowds are, or what your book deal is. And, and I've done huge and I've done small. And it's really the huge and the small is not where you'll get your contentment and your joy. It's the relationships. And so if you're doing an arena with 15,000 people, gosh, that's awesome. But the things I walk away from when I do an arena event are oh, my goodness, I had such a great time meeting Mary in catering, who just lost her son in a car accident. And right. I ended up to pray with her. And of course, you love the rah rah of 15,000 women come together and feel like they're not alone. But it's really the face to face ministry that becomes the scaffolding of, of your calling. And so I think too many people aspire to what the world says is success. And I'm telling you, bigger is not better.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. The guy yep. listening heard it. It's good. <laughs> so good. Okay, you've mentioned Baptist a few times. Did you grow yeah. up Baptist? Uh, shocker. <laughs> um, I, I, would, you know,
1: I I don't really now identify as any – particular denomination. Baptist. However, mama was Baptist. My daddy was Assembly of God. So truth <laughs> be told, I grew up Bapticostal. And, <laughs> and so you could call me a wiggly Baptist, yeah. but um, I grew up with high respect for God's word mm. and the inerrancy of scripture. I do not think that this is a textbook or a rule book. I think this is a love story. I still believe it's relevant, pertinent. Um but then I also love freedom and worship. And I'm not about trying to pretend like we have it all together. And so mm-hmm. single mom with an adopted child. I'm pale. She's the most beautiful brown color you've ever seen because she's from Haiti. I rode a motorcycle for years. You know, <laughs> nobody, nobody knew an old adoptive mom with black leather pants. So I don't quite fit in any, any denominational stereotype, but man, I'm madly in love with Jesus.
0: Was there a person in your life that helped you through that transition of prodigalness to discovering the true gospel and your need for Jesus? yeah,
1: yeah, I'll tell you the person who helped me the most. I had just moved to Nashville right out of undergrad, and I started going to a church called Christ Community Church, and the pastor there who is still really my spiritual mentor, a guy named Scotty Smith, and he was you know this brilliant guy, fluent Greek and Hebrew. But he started teaching about Jesus in a way that I'd never heard it, and he started teaching about grace, um, about being cognizant of our own depravity, but how God is affectionate with us, how he leans toward us. And and it just shocked me to the core, because I may have heard language like that, but I grew up thinking, you know, God tolerates me. Hmm. So I'm kind of lucky he let me slide under the door because, I and, and there was a lot of shame issues, Heather. When I was growing up, I was sexually abused when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, real violent divorce with my mom and my dad. My dad mm-hmm. left us. I loved my dad. So I assumed, you know, it must be at least partly my fault. Yes. I was five years old and mm-hmm. I thought I must have been not sweet enough or pretty enough or maybe I didn't use my inside voice enough or or mm-hmm. daddy would have left. Mm-hmm. And over the next couple of years, some men came and went from our family who sexually molested my sister and I, mm. and that just kind of underscored that feeling of of not being good enough on mm. my my soul. I, I didn't know the the theology of shame. I just knew there must be something inherently wrong with me. Not just that I that I misbehave every now and then or I don't do what my mama tells me to do, but there must be something innate in me that is wrong. Mm. And so right after my dad left, I heard a pastor teach on the fatherhood of God and how God is not a dad who leaves his children. And I walked the aisle that day in a Baptist church and said, I want to give my heart to Jesus because I, of course, didn't understand much. I just thought, I want a daddy who won't leave me. Mm -hmm. And, And so that began my walk of faith. But I didn't dream that God would delight in me. You know, I thought really kind of the best you get is he tolerates you and then you do everything you can to be as good as you can. So he won't regret his decision of kind of almost like, okay, let her in. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, in my early 20s, after I'd already messed up pretty wildly, I'd, you know, had some seasons in college where I was anything but godly in my behavior And so the concept of a God who grins when he sees us coming, the the whole idea of Song of Solomon 4, 9, that with one glance of our eyes, we captured his heart, that we had God at hello, that he sings songs of delight over us, that he's not some unibrowed librarian. That was all, (laughs) you know it just slayed me. It just slayed me. And so I feel like in my 20s, I really fell in love with Jesus um, through the teaching of a guy who ended up. His name's Scotty Smith, but he ended up introducing me to a bunch of other people, um, more like-minded people, some women, uh, you know, older than me, who mentored me. But it it started through my pastor, and he ended up becoming the um, adjunct professor of the seminary I went to. So he kind of was my seminary mentor then on into my 30s and his wife is a counselor just godly wise amazing woman and they were you know, there there've been a lot of markers along the way but that was kind of my first turn toward the heart of God mm-hmm. in my early 20s I know I'm confident
0: cuz I've heard from mm-hmm. them via email I've prayed with them um, I have this prayer ministry through our church there are mm-hmm. so many women who could identify with the part of your story uh, with the parents divorced, the opening themselves to the lie that I'm not good enough. If I don't live yeah. enough. Yeah. Why would God allow this? There must, you know, I can't trust that God or, uh, and then the sexual abuse. Oh, I wish I could just protect every little girl in the world and yeah. boy um, yeah. from that kind of, the enemy yeah. is just so, ugh, kick him in the oh, back. He's, uh, know. I, know. I
1: hate him. I, I hate, hate him.
0: him. And, he knew little Lisa Harper was gonna grow up and do and speak about these things, and he's just stealing and robbing and destroying. And of course, God is like, uh-uh, not that one. And he's pursuing each of these ladies so passionately, yeah, and putting people in place, and he puts Scotty Smith in your path to speak the truth that's been there, but sometimes we just you know don't hear it yeah. or it doesn't come in front of us. And through the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit, he does this work that says, This is the truth. I'm right here. I am completely and passionately in love with you and you could do absolutely nothing and it wouldn't change how I feel about you. And there's gals going, I don't, I just don't feel that way. I I can't imagine feeling like, I don't know what it, when you say God loves me, I don't know what that means. It just says words in my head. I know it, but I don't feel it in my heart. And there's 18 inches separating me from believing what you're saying. And I know you've written like a bazillion books. Is there a book you've written for that gal that she could maybe go to and be encouraged by your transformation in that? And, that you know, I know God does his own way, his own timing. Yeah. Sometimes this Um, could be
1: the moment she gets a... Movement. Well, you are you are very gracious. I would not recommend my book um, because, <laughs> I have, well, no. I mean, I've written a bazillion books, but I would recommend the classics that, yeah, that just to me you. You could almost hang the the love story of the gospel on, and that would be you know the books like The Lion and the Lamb by Brennan Manning, Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. There, there's some books that that just again I'm a theological conservative, so sometimes you'll read great writers and you may have to spit out a few seeds theologically, but. <laughs> good night when you begin reading about the mercy Mm -hmm. of God and some of these people's stories. Um, and then I, I started doing some really practical things and the girls listening to this podcast probably did this when they were little, but I went through Psalm 139, which, you know, all of the Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, that section in the middle of the Bible that we usually think of as warm, fuzzy, um, (laughs) Were originally written as songs, S O N G S. So I always say that's God's iPod, and <laughs> and the song on His iPod that would be His. I mean, it would be His Bono "Beautiful Day." You know, it would be just this this song you should have memorized, the Psalm one thirty nine, mm-hmm. because it's our identity. It's who we are. Once you've said Jesus, I can't make it by myself. You know, I need you. I need your unconditional love and your forgiveness. Um, Psalm 139 is our identity. And so I go to Psalm 139, and everywhere there's a personal pronoun, I write my name. And that's God saying to me, you were wonderful and beautifully made. Because it's real easy for me to listen even still, Heather, to the lies of the enemy. I'm 53 years old. You know, I haven't been abused for 40 years. Much. I mean, I I guess I've had some abuse in my twenties, but let's just say I haven't been abused for 30 years. So I haven't been abused for longer than I was mm-hmm, abused. Mm-hmm. And yet when you've got sexual abuse, you've got emotional abuse, you've got things that have been done or said to you that made you feel less than. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I feel like when you're younger, it's like you get this handprint made in the cement of your heart while it's still drying. Well, then yes, God heals that. Yes, God redeems that. Yes, God's whispers a million different ways through good friends and husbands and pastors and His Word and His Spirit that here's the truth. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. But what I told somebody recently was those handprints in my heart, because they were set when I was a little girl, when it rains in my life, so when I go through a storm, when I go through a difficult season, those handprints still collect water. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very intentional about going, no, that is not who I am anymore. I have to be really intentional about going, okay, that is a lie from the enemy. Here's who I am in Christ. And then I do as crazy as it sounds, but I I started doing this with girls I work with who are recovering from addictions. I volunteer with a ministry here in Nashville with just these amazing women, most of whom have uh, incarceration in their background most of whom have homelessness and many of whom Mm. have solicitation in their background. So, I mean, you talk about some hard stories Yeah. and feeling less than, feeling shame because they've done some pretty shameful things um, and had really shameful things done to them. I have not yet met a woman who works as a prostitute who at six years old asked for a prostitute Barbie for Christmas. So sometimes culture vilifies them, but I'm like, no, she was a precious little girl. Mm -hmm. Most of them were by a family member, mm-hmm. they go on to become mm-hmm. addicts because they are trying to numb the pain. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a horribly vicious cycle, but, but just, you know, just inbred with shame. Well, anyway, I told my girls, cause they're like, Lisa, we don't get some of the heady theological stuff you're talking about. Give us something practical to really stay in that place of believing that he loves me, even believing that I'm lovable when it comes to a holy God. And I started getting them to take their laundry. They all share this like little laundromat in the residential treatment center they live in. And I said, you get your laundry out of the dryer and you put it on your little twin bed in the dorm and you lean back into that warm laundry because, of course, they don't have men in this residential treatment center, just like me. My husband's lost. Won't stop to ask for directions. Um, <laughs> He's lost. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no man in my life either. Mm-hmm. Um, And I said, you lean back in that warm laundry and you say, Jesus, give me the grace to lean in to stay present in your embrace. Mm -hmm. With this warmth around me, you give me the grace. You teach me the really the, the sacrament of staying in your embrace, in your affection, because He loves us with an everlasting love. It's just most of us wriggle out of His embrace as fast as we can, and then we try to do a dance to prove to Him, see, I'm a good kid. see, I'm a good kid. Right. If we would learn to linger longer in the affection of God, I'm telling you, we'd recognize the, uh, the lies of the enemy much faster. Yeah.
0: Mm. I just want to sit in there a little bit.
1: Okay. So, um... <laughs> All right, you I want You want to sit in that because you worked out so hard this morning. I, you need I'm just smile. sitting on the
0: floor, lay. I'm you just laying out. You
1: need heat treatment uh-huh, and a massage. Uh-huh. I'm,
0: I'm massaging my back right now. Yeah, yeah. So okay. All right. So this is your story, and God has rescued you. And you said, you know, there's no man, but. Yep. You have this precious daughter, Missy. Oh yeah.
1: Take yeah. us. Well,
0: take us. How did that happen? How did I, you go from?
1: Well, when I was in my 20s and 30s. um, and even maybe early forties, but certainly twenties and thirties, because I was still processing that, okay, I know God loves me, I know he saved me, but golly, you know, I I just I hadn't really dealt with all the abuse when I was younger. And then I'm I'm owning it. I mean, there's certainly sin in my life. So I'm not saying, Oh, I'm a victim, it was all my fault. Right. Right. I just had learned kind of a lifestyle and a trajectory that I was very, very attracted to abusive men. Mm-hmm. And so in my 20s, early 30s, I was in some very abusive relationships. And, uh, you know, as a confessing believer, vocational ministry, but still was just drawn to more abusive relationships. And God protected me from the abusers I was drawn to. And then the few good godly guys I dated, God protected them for me because I was mm. hops on a stick. Mm. And so um, I'm not saying I was perfectly fixed but by the time I kind of recognized the truth of who I was in Christ and was healthier and not drawn to toxic relationships, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s. And I was like, geez Louise, you know, my ovaries are raisins. And I've kind of <laughs> missed that window. You know, <laughs> Of biological motherhood. And so I don't for a moment think our God is capricious or punitive, but there are consequences to sin. Mm. And so, Heather, I thought, you know, my life story, because I was so slow to learn, is just I'm, I'm not going to get to have children. And so by the absolute mercy of God and just some kind of the storylines that I couldn't make up myself, He— I I was able to walk into this path of adoption and had some hard things in that. had a, a woman at church who I really trusted tell me when I was 40 and I was praying about it, she said, Lisa, I just want to encourage you not to adopt, she said, because of the the sexual molestation you, when you were younger, you might um, unwittingly transfer some of the trauma you experienced oh, as a child onto a child. And she said, "I know you want to nurture, but I think it'd be healthier for you to to just go to the humane society and get another Stop dog it. because you're really good with pets." Oh yeah, Heather straight up said that, and I heard it and received it because here's the deal about the enemy. You said you hate him. He's not just a liar. He's a very crafty liar. Mm-hmm. He's not omniscient. Doesn't he's not
0: creative. Him. He doesn't create,
1: right. but he's crafty. Mm-hmm. He's and he's perverted, mm-hmm. and so he will pervert things. And said, you know, if if he came at me and lied and said, Lisa. You're such an introvert with such a high metabolism. You know, I'd be like liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you know, from a mile away. Yeah. But that—that's not what he does. He no. takes just a grain of truth, and then he twists it. But it resonates with us because it has that grain of truth. So it sounds plausible. Yeah. So when this well-meaning but very broken Christian woman who who herself had some real messed up stuff said to me, you know, gosh, I think you should adopt more pets because what if, and then she put her fears into words instead of recognizing, okay, this woman is a crooked little tree. You know, somewhere in her story, she got so bent because of a desert or a storm and she doesn't trust anymore. So I need to be kind to her and treat her with the dignity that every image bearer of God deserves, but I don't need to heed what's fallen out of her mouth because it's not congruent with God's word. That's, that's Any how I fear-based st-
0: decision does not sound like a good decision to me. All
1: right, right. Yeah. And so so but, but I what should, did
0: that do to you? Like did you you took it in and then what did you do? Seven years.
1: Seven years. Oh I started the adoption process at 40. I didn't mm-hmm. start till I was forty-seven. It took me seven years to mm-hmm. to really realize. It is okay as a single woman because we live in a fallen world. Kids weren't supposed to have cancer. There's 147 million orphans in our world. Millions will die before they reach the age of childhood because of very preventable diseases. And somebody needs to step in the gap. And so yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the best case scenario for any child is to have a mama and a daddy who loves them. Well, for some kids, the option is death in an orphanage or death in, in horrific circumstances and nobody who stands in the gap. Mm-hmm. So I told my adoption agency, I want a kid nobody's standing in line for. I don't want to step in and take a child who might possibly be adopted by a mama and a daddy who aren't perfect, as none of us are, but who love them well. Give me a child who doesn't have much of a shot. And I lost two adoptions. Mm-hmm. One of them was the right thing. One of them broke my heart. And two weeks after that loss that was devastating, when my heart was just eviscerated, a friend called who just got the hook from Haiti. And she said, "Lisa, while in Haiti, one of the young moms died of AIDS. She has a little girl who's two and a half who's been diagnosed with HIV, cholera, tuberculosis. And the doctors in Port-au-Prince have said she's going to die in two to three months unless really anybody Um doesn't step up and stand in the gap for her. And they said that it's very likely she'll still die in Haiti before you ever are able to adopt her out. But she said, I thought of you because you said you wanted a kid nobody's standing in line for. And she said, would you be willing to pray about this? And I said, nope. I said, I've been praying about this for 30 years. Sign me up. And then, Heather, I got off the phone with her and said a bad word because I thought, oh, good night. <laughs> you know, what have I done? I've just mm-hmm. signed up to be the adoptive mom of a child. I, I have no idea what she looks like. I haven't seen a picture. All I know is she's two and a half years old. She's she's very, very, very sick. And she's in Haiti. That's all I know. Wow. And um, here's the thing about following God. You don't have to see around the corner of your circumstances. Frankly, you never will. You just take the next step. Yeah. And and He's so Good, and he's so sovereign, and he's so kind. And it took two years, and it was a booger, it was a roller coaster. But I've now had her home for three and a half years. Her HIV is completely undetectable. She's healthy as a horse. She's the most beautiful, amazing seven year old, and I'm undone that God allow me to be your mama. I, I I did not know I could have this kind of, I mean, I've always been a glasses half full, pretty positive person. But I mean, the joy now, Heather, in the second half of my life, and Missy's not my hope. Jesus is my hope. Mm-hmm. Man, the gifts he gives us when we live wide open and we trust that the path he has for us is a good path, even when there's ache in it, it just changes everything.
0: Mm. So much to what you just said. So much for encouragement to the guy listening who's in the hard place, like you said, how there are consequences to our sin, but he is a good God who gives good <laughs> gifts and redeems in Amen. a way. He redeemed the seven year. I love that it's seven, by the way, because of, you know, I, know, I grew two. up in the church. So seven, of course, <laughs> and then 40 would be harder, but a little number. It, it's a good. Little number. a good one. Uh, it just shows it was it was her. The whole time it was her. Yep. Like, yep. he knew the whole time it was Missy. Yep. The third one, too, of course. The third yep. one. I know. Of I course, know. two had to go. He needed to know yep. that you were really in this to win it. Yep. Yep. And uh, I just, I love, it wasn't like this quick fix, easy thing. Right. It was full right. dependence on him and his glory and right. what joy upon joy to just. Oh,
1: it's been, it has been so amazing. I mean, I just. I told her I was with um, this unknown little Bible teacher out of Texas lately. She has big hair. Her name is Beth. Um, <laughs> but we were, we were talking about motherhood, and I said, Beth, um, what would you, like like out of all your years of experience walking with the Lord and being a great mom, if you just had to distill all that into one one thing to tell me, what would it be? And she paused, and of course, Beth being Beth Moore, I thought she's probably going to say something in Hebrew. And she just, (laughs) you know, smiled and she said, Lisa, just try to say yes more than you say no. Mm. And I thought, golly, that's awesome. And here's, so here's my two (laughs) kind of pillars of being an old, new mama. I try to say yes more than I say no with this precious gift named Melissa Price Harper that God gave me. And then secondly, Heather, I think in three and a half years, I've made every mistake known to motherhood, but here's what I do well. I am grateful every single day. I know I don't deserve in and of myself to be this precious pumpkin's mama. I know it. So the fact that God in his lavish kindness allowed me to be her mom. Her second mama I mean ev- I don't remember a day since I brought her home that I don't get tickled and go i I love being this kid's mom it's not always easy we still have some hard medical stuff she has a strong personality so she's not Jesus junior in her <laughs> days that it's really hard but i'm I'm grateful yeah. every single day I still weep at night. When I sing over and she falls asleep and begins to softly snore, and I'm rubbing that gorgeous curly Haitian hair, I will weep and just go, God, I can't, I can't believe you love me so much that you allow me to steward this miracle. And so it's gratitude to me is is really the it, it kind of I think it's the the this miracle that allows us to live life with biblical happiness, and that is contentment, fulfillment, in believing that God is good and He does good, regardless of what we're walking through, because happiness is not the absence of sadness. Happiness is the firm belief that our God is good and He does good, and and gratitude to me, that's kind of almost the fuel that keeps that engine going.
0: I'm glad you brought up happiness since, we're 30 minutes <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a smooth segue wasn't it that was real
0: good that was real good you are gifted in talking so uh yeah do you have time to stick around for a little bit more so we can Heck talk about yeah. okay good
1: You're asking me if I have time for a for like a donut yes <laughs> okay good because I got time in, I'm in baby
0: I've got I've got a list here to talk about still we're in 30 minutes in so this is your new book, The Sacrament of Happy. And, you know, I see happy, and I'm like, oh, goodness. I know.
1: Sounds trite you, and you, cheesy. You're
0: like, I mean, I don't know if you feel like you have to defend it. But what I did right before we got on, I said, okay, I've been seeing happy because it's big and pink on this page, mm-hmm. this front cover. Mm-hmm. Sacrament. I've heard of sacraments. Kind of makes mm-hmm. me think of the Catholic Church. But what is it? Yeah. So I Googled it, like you do, in 2017. Right. Right. Outward and visible sign. Of inward and spiritual divine grace. And I went, oh, my land. Did that just change the whole thing? Yep. Yep. Outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual divine. Okay. All right. So convince us.
1: Well, I I purposely, I'm... I purposely had that juxtaposition in the title, the mm-hmm. sacrament of happy, and then the subtitle was really my favorite part, uh, of yeah, yeah. Things, which is what a smiling God brings to a wounded world. Yeah, because there, this is a message as as image bearers, Christ followers, the world needs to hear this message because most of us, uh, true biblical happy, has been hijacked in modern culture, and I was taught, growing up in the church, that. Happy is based on happenstance. Therefore, it's trite and even narcissistic because it's based on what happens to you that you enjoy. Whereas joy, and usually that would be said with, you know, more inflection. It's spiritual. It's Mm -hmm. spiritual because it's based on the acronym Jesus, others, yourself. And so I, I just wanted to go, is that true? Is is that actually true? Does, does, does that hold up biblically? Is that defensible biblically? And so I just decided I'm gonna spend like a year studying mm. what what the Bible has to say about happiness. I was shocked to find out, first of all, it's it the Bible is riddled with the idea of happiness all most of the time in our english bibles it is translated blessed so the hebrew word asher which means happy um, it also means blessed and then the greek word makairos is usually translated blessed also means happy and and biblical happiness asher and makairos are not ha ha, ha this is based on my circumstances or i'm in my skinny jeans or you know i just won the power <laughs> That's not, that's not biblical happiness. Yeah. Biblical happiness is the contentment, the fulfillment, and the delight that comes from intimacy with God with, you know, basically the nutshell of that would be the firm belief that God is good and he does good and he loves me, hmm. um, regardless of my circumstances. That's true biblical happiness. So it's actually manifest in, it is manifest in belly laughs sometimes, but it's also manifest in contentment and fulfillment when you're grieving, you know when you're grieving the loss of someone you love very much when when I lost those first two adoptions, was I experiencing actually happiness in my soul, even though I was weeping and emotionally devastated are those are those two mutually exclusive? Well, the Bible says no. The Bible says that delight and despair actually happen at the same time and that you actually can't have true biblical joy without despair. One illuminates the other. And so it was very, very interesting because I didn't know there's like 3,500 references to happiness, something like happiness. The the Psalter, the Psalms begin with happy is the man. We translate it blessed, but Mm -hmm. it's accurate to say happy is the man who walks in the ways of God. The Sermon on the Mount could accurately be called uh, a sermon on how to be happy. Interesting, yeah. You would would think there's no way that belongs in a decent church. That sounds like some kind of cultish, bonkers thing where they're going to all—it's like QVC sermon. (laughs) It's like— (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not trying to diss QVC. I'm sure there's some good things about there, but you, it sounds like
0: well, you just trying, think cheesy when we think QVC, or, or
1: you're trying to hawk yeah. something. You're, you're trying, trying to, to you convince us of something that's yeah. not true. Yeah, and it's yeah. like no, Jesus was literally saying to these people in the hill, "If you do this, you'll be happy. You'll mm-hmm. be content. You'll be con- filled, fulfilled. You'll experience delight." And so then what just amazed me was in First 1 Timothy 1.11, and that's where Paul is giving Tim, you know, his little mentee, he's kind of given him his charge. He's like, okay, as a follower of Christ, you're grown up. Here's how you're you're going to live now, buddy. This is how you're going to live your life. This is how you're going to just frame your life. And he says, your call is to share the glorious euangelion. That's the gospel. And, <laughs> I'm like, jelly? What are you talking about, jelly? I I know, I know. You on jelly okay? I, I need to do your morning workouts because I got some jelly going <laughs> on, baby. No, you on jelly is the Greek word for the gospel, It means the good news. Yeah. He okay. so says, Tim, your call, your charge. This is how you're going to spend the rest of your days. Is you're to share the glorious good news of the Makairos God of the Happy God. Hmm. Now you stop and think. If our calling hmm. is to tell other people. We've got a God who grins when he sees us coming. Mm. I mean, again, you may not use those exact semantics, but I always thought God was kind of mad at me
0: mm. or
1: at least a little bit disappointed with me. And you think, will that dog hunt? Does that preach? Yeah, <laughs> Heather, I was in, you know, with kids coming straight off the boat. Last year, I got to work with um, Syrian refugees mm. at the border between Greece and Macedonia. And you talk about a place where all you want to do is lie on the dirt and sob mm. because of the sorrow of humanity. These people who have been, I mean, tortures in ways we can't even wrap our minds around by ISIS. They've lost children as they're trying to flee Syria mm. and Turkey and Northern Africa. And, and we're the first station to, to meet them and minister to them. Well, I was like, what can I give these people? I mean, these people are, are, I, I, I don't know this kind of hardship, right. this kind of horror. And and we started working in the children's tent. And we've got these like two or three hundred little middle Eastern kids. None of them none of us speak their dialect. I'm there with my Bible study from Nashville. There's eleven of us middle aged, you know, white women from Nashville, Tennessee, and elastic waste. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what in the world are we going to be able to give these little kids? Well, one of the girls was like, "Of course, there's no video games. There's no nothing to paint with. There's no you new know, stuffed animals. We're just kind of like standing there." And one of the girls just started singing, really as a last resort, the Hokey Pokey. Now, little did I <laughs> you know, the Hokey Pokey is a universal. You know, language. really,
0: that's good to oh, know. I, I keep I that did. in the back pocket. All, All
1: right, of these little precious refugee children. I mean, they come flying to join us. We end up having this huge, raucous, hokey pokey circle with all these precious, you know, Syrian and Iranian and and Turkish children, you know, just dancing in the circle. The parents have lost everything. And I'm like, uh, the kids are laughing. They're begging us not to stop. Well, at one point I went to step outside the circle just because even though it was wintertime, I was so hot from all the dancing. I went to pull off my sweatshirt. Well, this young mama approaches me. She's obviously Muslim because she's in a full burqa. And she says in perfect English, may I speak with you for a moment? I was like, oh, yes, ma'am, absolutely. And she said, my husband and I just want to thank you. She said, my little boy. And she points out this seven-year-old boy, same age as Missy. And she says, this is the first time I've seen Abdullah smile or laugh in Mm. two weeks. Mm. She said, we lost his baby sister in Syria two weeks ago. That mm-hmm. was the last straw yeah. for us. She was killed in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And she said, we left everything behind, everything. And she said, I have not seen him smile since we lost his little sister. And she said, this is the first time I've seen him laugh. And we just wanted to thank you. Mm-hmm. And she said, I know you are Christ followers. And she said, I would like to ask you to pray because I believe your prayers are powerful for my son's joy to return. Mm. And I said, Oh, Fatima, I would be honored to pray for your son. So there I am in the middle of this field, this winter field on the border of Greece and Macedonia, with people who've lost everything, Heather, and they are, are they don't know Jesus, they're Muslim. And because I made this little boy laugh who lost his sister, Mm. the mama asked me to lay hands on her son, and I prayed for his joy to return in the name of Jesus. So when people go, oh, geez, this is trite, I'm like, oh, no, this is anything but trite. Our world is desperate Mm. for this kind of happy, not ha-ha, circumstance-based, trite, Happy. That's not that's not the gift of happiness God gives us. Mm. God gives us contentment and fulfillment and delight in the midst of of Her chaos. And so I'm like, yeah, it can change the world and it changes us.
0: Mm. And you know, historically, having grown up in the church, I would have put like this holiness factor on the word blessed. Uh, like it's yeah. like you yeah. are made more holy when you right. mourn. Blessed are those uh, who whatever. But as you're talking, I'm thinking, why do we like to make these boxes? Because to me, right. that's holy happiness. Like that yeah. is like a holy right. moment. You got to be a part oh. of Oh yeah. God's Absolutely. work in that family's life through what you right. were doing. I think holy well, happiness sounds like pretty awesome. That sounds great well, to we
1: me. Have, we have emasculated um, this just power powerful gift, this sacrament Mm. God gave us for our good and the world's good because we want to make ourselves sound more spiritual. So that's actually the sad thing Mm. is how we have not received this gift or how we pervert it because we're so insecure. We want to make sure nobody thinks we're superficial and trite. And I'm like, goodness gracious, sometimes really what it does take is a friendly word and a smile. I had a woman recently in an event who was so mean, and so abrupt, and so cross, and she was just eviscerating me. And I knew it wasn't about me. I knew right. this one was really sad because usually anger is anger secondary is kind of the, the secondary it,
0: emotion. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: it is. It is. It's just it, it masquerades for sad. And so I just walked up to this woman as she's kind of cussing me, but using you know Christian words, um, <laughs> Christian cussing. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, we did, Time we mm-hmm. do it often, mm-hmm. but um, but I just walked up to her and I said, You look like you need a hug. Mm-hmm. I hugged her, and I mean, heather, this woman it you know, at first I thought she is about to kick me in the because <laughs> she she just you could tell she literally flinched, mm-hmm. and then I just said, Whatever you're going through, I'm so sorry. That woman ended up heaving, sobbing in my arms, and it ended up being that, you know, her husband had left her. She was scared to death how she was going to take care of her kids. She felt unworthy, and the only place she felt like she could kind of hold it together was to put on this Pharisee outfit and and just be really emphatic about the two or three things she felt like, "I, I can stay here and basically disengage my heart. And so I think that that I didn't quote quote any Greek or Hebrew. I don't remember much of it from seminary. <laughs> it was a few words I can use to make myself sound smart. That wasn't what she needed. Mm. She needed me to just just lean into her and go, "Baby, you know, fulfillment and contentment are still accessible to you because God loves you even though what you're walking through right now is awful." It's awful. So to me, that's, that is a gift that our world desperately needs. And quite frankly, I need it on a regular basis. Mm.
0: You're so good at telling stories. <laughs> I can I picture you. that First moment.
1: I was a windbag. No, you're you.
0: not. I can picture all your moments. Would you always, I'm just a sidetrack. Were you always a good storyteller? Like from a little kid, I, did you like captivate your sister yeah.
1: with stories? Good, good is is arguable, <laughs> but I was always a storyteller. Yeah, I've always it. loved, I've always loved painting pictures with words.
0: Mm. I just, I, I like looking back to what we were like as little girls and what God You're put in us.
1: Too. I do
0: too. Because I'll tell you what, I started reading this book and I had to full on read it out loud to my boys. The <laughs> scene <laughs> where you all... You and Sheila, I had Sheila on the show. You oh, and uh, Sheila, yeah. Sheila Walsh, I
1: was laughing. <laughs> if you could have seen her, and Heather, some of the stuff I can't even tell completely because <laughs> I adore Sheila, and she's like the classiest, you know. She's very British expert. and very proper. She's just amazing. Mm-hmm. But to watch her walk in front of me toward this huge television interview with the telltale sign of what had happened there in the mud <laughs> Um, where she had tinkled on herself in this really elegant outfit. I, I'm telling you, it was one of the, the happiest <laughs> days of my life. It was hilarious. And, you know, I think sometimes when you get older and you think I've got to prove that I'm so mature in my faith, I'm like, man, if you ever lose the ability to laugh at yourself, you actually are not mature in the faith. You're posing.
0: You're posing. Yeah, when mm-hmm. I think about, you know, you're just talking about uh, – we're trying to look more proper because we think it makes us look more spiritual. But when I think about the friends of mine that I'm drawn to, attracted yeah. to, want to yeah. hang out with because they're enjoyable to be around, they're mm-hmm. laughing. Mm-hmm. They are some of the most spiritual people I know. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. It, there's, there's this depth of, like you said, contentment, and fulfillment. That's right. And their soul that they can be free right. to laugh at what's coming, right?
1: Right. And they're not trying to control you or... no perception of them. Mm. They love you enough to trust that you are going to think well of them. And when when they do something that no one should think well of, they know that you're going to go, hey, baby, I'll walk you back toward reconciliation with Jesus. Mm. So I think that's a sign of a true, maturely a truly mature believer is to not try to control other people's perception. you are really only dancing for the approval of Jesus.
0: So if there's a gal and she is not feeling so happy. Yep. She's not feeling it. Um, I know when I approached this book, I was—I told you I was in a season of grief, and you know I had—I had moments, and um, but you know that that word just can rub you wrong if you're in a in a hard place. Even though, like you said, we need it. The world needs our grounded um, contentment and fulfillment. How do you help her transition? Well, the
1: first. Yeah the first thing I'd say is don't even start with happy because of the misconception so many of us have about mm-hmm. that word mm-hmm. start with grateful and and that's not as big a leap start with grateful and as as simple as it is it can really do profound change in our in our inner man you start when you're in your saddest season of going okay i'm going to i'm going to set my heart back to the toward the lord and I'm going to make a list of 10 things. You don't have to write it down, you can do it in your mind, but I'm going to make a, t- a list of 10 things that just today in this moment I'm grateful for. And it may be a real macro list. You may be I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful that, you know, one of my parents is still living. I'm grateful that, you know, it can be a very macro list. Yeah. But if you will really do that sincerely, I'm telling you, you're, you will start to turn back toward, you know, if you look at the Song of Solomon, which I always say it's like Daniel Steele in the Old Testament, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I love the Song of Solomon. Yeah. When they are experiencing, and of course, that's metonym and metaphor, it really happened. There really is this guy and this girl who fell madly love, Solomon Shilomath, but it's metaphorical of us and our divine bridegroom. And when she experiences this, where she feels like she is far from her husband, First, she has to be cognizant of that, but then she goes through and she begins to go, here's the things I love about him. Here's what I'm grateful for. And that is as simple as it is. It has some profound emotional, transformational um, blessing for us. When you begin to go, oh my gosh, I I had forgotten. I, I was really worried about money this season. And God brought in this extra four thousand dollars. This just happened to me. You know, we our HVAC went out. I'm like, I'm a single mom. My kid has HVAC. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I started worrying. Yeah. And then I got this check that I did not know I was going to get. That pay, it was the exact amount as. Mm. But in this new HVAC, and I thought, golly, I can quote all day long, you know, Psalm 68, he's a father to father, son a husband to the husbandless, but sometimes I forget, okay, he literally just then, in a very practical way, was my husband. He bought my new HVAC system that I was worried about how I'm going to pay for this. Thank you, God, that that's mm. not just a verse to cross-stitch. You are a husband to the husbandless, mm. whether married or not. In those moments when you feel like I'm the only one taking care of myself, God goes, Hey, buddy, sweetie, I've got your back. I've had it all along. And gratitude helps us get back to the truth when we tend to be a little bit, um, myopic about, um, I'm in a hole or I'm in a dark place that I'm having a hard time getting out of.
0: I received that. That's good. That's yeah. real good. <laughs> oh, Lisa.
1: We need to hang out face to face. I Heather. Think so. If-
0: Come to Dallas. I'll take you to Velvet Taco. It's my favorite taco place. Hey,
1: you, I actually just fell madly in love with you. Okay. <laughs> because- if you will, if you will feed me Mexican food, I will be your okay. friend forever. I will, okay. I will, I will like do your laundry. Oh, that's before. serious! You I
0: don't even do my laundry. laundry. I let the boys do my laundry. I Maybe know. I will do your boys' laundry. Do- now oh, now that, that is yeah. a whole other okay. level. You let know what you're you. committing
1: yourself to there. Let me tell you, you had me at Mexican food. I'm always Come on. Come on. Talk on them in. Well, I so loved talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on, God Centered Mom. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> You're
0: very welcome. You're very welcome. And tell people if they wanted to connect with you, keep up with, you know, you've got more stuff. You're always got stuff coming. You've got a yeah. Gospel of Mark yeah. study coming out. So where could they keep up with you online? Um,
1: LisaHarper.net. Um, you can go to Lifeway. Lifeway will send you to, to uh, I've got, books and Bible studies with them, but lisaharper.net. And then this new book, the sacrament of happy.com mm-hmm. is actually its own. There's a landing page there that'll send you to everything else, but we'll, we'll send you those things, but don't go to lisaharper.com. That evidently is a girl who doesn't wear as m- many clothes as I do. <laughs> and so make sure it's,
0: that is make a really sure important thing to that. know. That is very
1: good. My understanding is she has a much better figure than I do, but um, I don't think she's a Bible teacher. So mm-hmm. go to net. Mm-hmm. So net is the the operative word there.
0: Well, thank you. I haven't told you this yet, but right. My parents had just moved in with us and mm-hmm. I'd already signed up to come to Propel with my really best You're friend kidding. and I came and I was just like, how am I going to do this? How mm-hmm. am I going to do this? And yes. you stood up there and you made me laugh, of course, and th- but you spoke such truth and I just, I think you had a surrender, right? Am I
1: uh, recalling I, right? I
0: don't, you don't remember. You
1: Dallas Propel? Uh-huh. Dallas I don't even remember. I either. think I remember you did. I and
0: I just like literally handed it all over to God, felt this complete release. Yes,
1: yes, And yes, you remember. And it was, and some, it was med- like
0: such a holy moment yep. for me. And I know, like you said, when you're on a platform, oh, you don't oh, get oh, the intimate, you don't get the feedback of what God did for each person. I don't yeah. always get the feedback when someone listens to this show, what yeah. God's doing. He's, he's got everybody on own path and he uses different things to weave in. And so he used your words in my life and I hadn't gotten to thank you yet. So thank you.
1: Heather, that, okay. Let me, let me just ask you a favor. Yeah. When we come back to Dallas, we're doing Dallas propel again, I think with Beth again, but it'll be Chris and seems like it's Chris, maybe the exact same team, Chris, Lisa Bevere, Beth Moore, myself. Um, if you can come to that one, come backstage with us and do, do God-centered mom from the green room and let oh, that us would all be, be fun. mom. That would be fun. So, that would yeah. be fun. That would be okay. fun. Cool, cool, cool,
0: But you just, thank you so much, so, cool. so much for your ministry and for letting God use your gifts and for being faithful and not letting that dumb
1: enemy keep you down. Good grief. Stupid, <laughs> stupid. Stupid Stupid head. Lizard. Stupid, stupid head. lizard. Yeah. I, I do allow Missy to call him a doo-doo head. So she calls him Devil the Doo-Doo Head.
0: And I love that you didn't capitalize his name in this book.
1: No, I refuse to. That's that's amazing. (laughs) I love that. All All right,
0: right. Lisa. We could, I think, all day. Velvet Taco. We'll meet there. Thanks, Heather. All right. Adios. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Did I tell you you would laugh? I mean, did you hear me? I was full on, like, head back, hysterically laughing. It was so good for my heart and my soul. Because I'll tell you. Um, One other thing in her book that threw me off, I was reading along, I think it was like even the first or second chapter, and I'm reading along and she's sharing a story about her brother and a neighbor that all the kids in the neighborhood were scared of because they'd like made up this story that she was a witch or something. And her brother was headed towards the house to check out the fish pond this old lady had. And she, in the story, yells out, John Price, you come back here. And I... Like, like literally just shook my head thinking, surely I just added those words in. It did not say that. I'm having an hallucination because John Price is my dad's name. I'm not even kidding. His name is John Price. My maiden name, Price. My son's name, Price. And here I am reading it. I'm thinking that does not make sense. Why would her brother be John Price? Because she's Lisa Harper. That doesn't make sense. Well, it turns out it's his middle name. He's John Price. Harper, and she called him John Price. And so that's why she put it in like that. I was like, okay, God, I got it. You have a message for me here. You are calling me out to re-enter and dis- rediscover how you made me and you made me to be happy in your image because you are a God who is happy. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that little story with you because I could not believe it. And I thought as listeners, you might find it interesting But I did put it at the end of the show because if you made it this far, 58 minutes in, you are true, true friends. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. If you've had kids start back at school or if you're about to, uh, if you have little ones that are maybe going to start Mother's Day out or preschool after Labor Day, you've almost finished, (laughs) you've almost finished the summer. You're almost to the finish line. I was just telling a friend with lots of young kids, summers were, whew, really hard with little, little kids. And I just couldn't believe that Mother's Day outs and preschools would get out early in May and they would start late in September, It felt like torture. Uh, but I will tell you that to give you a little bit of hope, young moms, uh, it does get different, different, easy, different, hard. I feel like we had a really successful summer this year and that everyone had a great time. So uh, you are doing A great work. Every little moment you spend holding those babies, taking them to the pool, changing them in and out of swimsuits and and the swim diapers and all that jazz was, you know, all showing them Christ's love and the gospel. And even if you blew it a few times, that's fine. If you blew it every day, God still loves you. He is still for you. Um, We all are imperfect and in process. And I just want to encourage you. All right, I'm rambling. So it's time to get off. I Hope that you are over following me on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, I'm going to be sharing some fun new things this week. I will be interviewing Paul David Tripp this week and have his show airing in a couple weeks. And uh, some fun news about something he's doing in September that you do not want to miss me announcing. So go find me over on Instagram and Facebook at God Center Mom. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased.